Um, this is Jessica Beck. She is an assistant in our curatorial department, and um, she earned her BA in art history at the University of Chicago, where she wrote her undergraduate thesis on Andy Warhol's use of the photo booth and his celebrity portraits of the 1960s. Um, she went on to complete her MA at the Courtauld Institute of Art in London in 2008, where she studied the development of postmodern theory and practice in New York. Her dissertation topic, Ligon Revisits Warhol in Painting the Archive and Video, explored the thematic relationships between Glenn Ligon and Andy Warhol with a close reading of Ligon's text paintings, film, and archival photo album works. Um, we're excited to have her talk today about Marilyn Monroe's lips, um, which is installed here with several other pop art works from the 1960s. And um, they're all artists who are working at the same time as Blinky Palermo, whose retrospective just opened on the second floor. And I'll turn it over to her. Hello? Okay. Okay. Okay, so as some of you may or may not know, I'll just start out with a little background on Warhol because I find him to be fascinating. But um, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, around 1928, he sort of lies about his biography. Um, so we're not necessarily sure how, when he was born exactly. Um, but uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, went to Carnegie Tech, which is now Carnegie Mellon, graduated with an MFA in fine arts and graphic design, and went off to New York to become something big and started out in illustration. Um, worked notably for Glamour magazine at a time specifically in New York when illustrators were sort of going out of fashion and photography was becoming much more vogue, especially in advertising. Um, in the 50s, he actually became very successful in what he was doing with the illustrations, but also in New York, managed to sort of get himself into the gallery scene, ended up befriending people like Rauschenberg and Johns, um, sort of wanting to work in the same vein as them to become this serious artist at the time, but was never really accepted. Johns and Rauschenberg reportedly claimed that Warhol was too swish for them as an artist in the 50s. So. Um, I actually really love this painting, and just yesterday I was talking with someone in conservation, and he said, you know, I really like the Marilyn lips, but I don't know why. I don't know why it's such a great painting. So what I wanted to do on the talk is sort of unpack why this painting is so pivotal for Warhol's career, and why it's just, I think Joseph Hirshhorn must have seen something, knew something about Warhol, because it's, it's such a, a key work. Um, in 1962, Warhol was starting to do the silkscreen process, and the Maryland series is actually one of the first series in which he was making this silkscreening repetition a part of his career. Um, one of the first silkscreens was of a baseball image. He talked about the idea of making action part of painting. But in August 5, 1962, Marilyn Monroe committed suicide. It was a very public event. Um, images were all over. It was also a very dark moment, I think. And Warhol immediately afterwards said, I want to do um, a picture of her beautiful face. I want to do screens of Marilyn's beautiful face. So 1962, this image is also part of that series in September when he started doing images of Marilyn Monroe's face. And I brought an image, the way in which Warhol creates um, the screen print. I can, I'll show you, yeah. Um, so I guess I should start out with what screen printing is. So um, 
he figured out a way to take a photograph and burn it onto a piece of fabric, a screen. So that piece of fabric has little tiny holes in it. So you ink the fabric, you pull a squeegee over the fabric, and the ink comes through the image. So you get a photograph that ends up on canvas. So Warhol used um, a celebrity headshot from Niagara, 1953 film of Marilyn. And I think it's interesting the, fi the picture that he did use of Marilyn is particularly impersonal and um, sort of rigid, and there's a certain amount of distance. He had a huge amount of photographs of Marilyn. There was a moment of a little bit of identification, I think, going on with her in terms of celebrity. Um, but it, he uses this one, which I think is, you can pass it around if you want, important to talk about the amount of distance he's setting up. Um, so the lips he gets... He cuts out from this Niagara portrait of Marilyn. He also does a number of images of her head. Um, the first one, oh, that's the dollar bills. We'll do this. The first one. Yeah, the most famous one is the gold Marilyn, which is the sort of iconic image, almost like a saint you would see in like earlier painting, the gold, the gold on the, the, the gold leaf on the back. Um, but then he did other portraits like this, and you can see he's, he's very interested in showing the screen printing. He's not covering it up because he paints the ground first. And then there's this one here, which is much like the one we have here with the lips. So I just wanted to, to get an idea of the way in which he's doing her portrait. Um, but then to look back at the lips... So we have a diptych painting. Warhol was working in diptychs. He quotes and says, well, I did diptychs because they, they sell more. They're more expensive that way. The more canvas I have, the more money I can get. But when you actually look at this portrait in relation to his investment in film and Marilyn Monroe's life on film, you have the silver screen image of Marilyn in the silver screen, and then you have her life in color. So you have the painted background, and if you look up really closely, there is pencil still shown of the grid that he used to line up the screen. And then when you look closer on the color images, the screen gets darker and darker and darker. So he would have laid down the pink and then the red and then done the black screen over top of it. So there's an amount of accidental work maybe, but also intentional, because if you look at the, the black and white, the silver one, that doesn't happen as much. So he could have easily cleaned the screen off to get it clear on the bottom. Um, so to think about Marilyn Monroe in August 5th, 1962, the public suicide, to think about Warhol then doing an image of her in this sort of split screen, I think is very interesting in the ideas of celebrity and the sort of split persona that one has to create in order to survive a certain amount of celebrity, the machine of celebrity. Unfortunately for Marilyn, her story is tragic. Some level, she wasn't really necessarily able to protect herself in this splitting of the two personalities. But um, the other interesting note is that in 1962, the only series that Warhol was working so extensively on were dollar bills. So in some light, I look at this Marilyn painting and I see a certain amount of sexual currency almost, almost in this idea of working with products that he was working with, Campbell's Soup and Coca-Cola and those things, but then the dollar bill and the, the, the idea that Marilyn could sell a certain amount of sexual energy on film. She was sort of set up to be a sex goddess in the 50s. And the way that Warhol does her lips here, he even says in... 
um, the philosophy of Andy Warhol is that Marilyn's lips weren't kissable, but they were photographable. So I think there's a moment here where he's not showing us the bubbly, beautiful, fluffy Marilyn, but it's much darker. And when you look closely at her teeth, they're, they're, it's a very toothy smile. It's also a clenched smile. So when you, when you see that Niagara image of her, it's this almost like a mask, um, and then behind it, you, you, can, you get a sense of tension, specifically in the mouth. The image below on, the, on this one, I think I passed around, but you see, an, you see like an open mouth. She's much more inviting. She's almost, almost selling something. Other images of Marilyn that other artists have done, Richard Hamilton did a series in 1965, My Marilyn, which is an interesting work. De Kooning also did a Marilyn work. Richard Hamilton, also British pop artist, was working in ideas of product placement and sexuality, automobiles being sold in the same way that, you know, feminine women's bodies, those sorts of things. So they were glossy. This, this, this work is not glossy in any way. So, and I think also in terms of Warhol's career, 1964, he proclaimed he was going to be abandon painting and become a filmmaker. So I think this is sort of that beginning investment in his use of film later on, space in film. He did a lot of work with split screen. One of his um, first major films, Chelsea Girls, a, a very long, like three or four hour film that was filmed in Chelsea Hotel is actually a split screen. There are two projectors that are shown. One action goes on and turns silent and you're supposed to watch the action of the other film. So some of what this painting does, and that's why it's so important, is it, it brings out Warhol's investment in photography, it brings out the sort of darker side of death, that a theme that he used at this period. Immediately following the Maryland series, he also did Elizabeth Taylor, but he did her image at a time when on Cleopatra she came down with an illness. It was sort of life-threatening in the papers. It was like, Liz might die, something like that. So then Jackie followed, and those pictures were taken at the time of um, the funeral, the Kennedy funeral. So there is this series, and then even after this, there is literally the death and disaster series that he did. So there's that element, then there's the split persona that even Warhol essentially created for himself, and then just the spatial relationships that he develops in film later on. So... Um, that was mostly my talk, just bringing out the ways to look closer. Because at first, you know, you step away, you think, oh, it's so attractive and poppy and that fuchsia is kind of interesting. But then when you get up close, it's much darker, especially with the, the black. It almost fades out to black at the end there. So that's an interesting, you know, the finale or something fading to black. So um, that was my talk ma mainly. Um, if anyone has any questions or... I, and I just wanted to leave one final note. I was just watching a 60 Minutes interview with Lady Gaga, who I feel like is this new sort of pop icon, contemporary pop icon. And she had some actually really well-informed things to say about celebrity persona and how we deal with that. And she kept talking about our obsession with the decay of celebrity. And I think this is a really good example of Warhol picking up on that as well, or this obsession with wanting to see the celebrity fail in some way. And... Um, you know, we have all these reality television shows, Housewives of um, Orange County, who now have lost their homes to the economic downturn in real estate, and we sort of get off on wanting to see them fail or get bad plastic surgery or whatever it is, like, will Lady Gaga's new album succeed? You know, but so there is, there's a much darker side to Warhol's work. Pop isn't necessarily as superficial and one-dimensional as it appears, so... 
that was my talk. If anyone has any questions, I welcome them. <laughs> I guess that depends because the other thing I left out is that this, at this period in 62, he's forming the factory in New York, which was a space where um, he was doing this silk screening process with a number of assistants. So um, he sort of exploited that whole idea of having a production line of his um, canvases. But at the same time, Warhol, even though he sort of hands-off responsibility to these assistants, even in interviews, he was very much in control and spending a lot of time with them. So I imagine, you know, the screening process to, to burn the image on the screen would take a certain amount of time, and then deciding the, the grid, the placement of the grid, and then the screens would, were probably large, so it would probably take two people to put it on the floor and pull your squeegee. Um, and... Uh, I think there's something too with the fact that Warhol leaves the accidents. You know, he leaves the amount of the screen there in in the pink field. So, um, I don't I don't know that it would take something as long as like a, you know, a master painting like months or something. But I mean, that's part of his process is um, to make it sort of repetitive and almost quick in some way. I mean, the amount, I mean, this, this book right here is one volume of the catalog raisonné. It's just three years. So it's just interesting, the volume of work, not even just with painting, like the, the raisonné of the films is not even completed nearly. This is on its fifth volume, I think. So the amount of material, and then even later, Warhol taped all of his conversations, phone conversations, things like that. So those archives, the archives in Pittsburgh are not even started, have not even started to unpack some of the time capsules that he would, boxes that he would have in the studio and seal up and date 1974, August 5th, whatever, and put it away. So the archives in Pittsburgh actually has all of those boxes. So sometimes there's random trash, <laughs> sometimes there are gems that they find, you know, real material from the studio. But um, he was sort of archiving his life as he was living it. I mean, even his role in the press at the time, he was very manipulative of. He knew people in the press, got images of himself in the press. So, and he has scrapbooks. He saved every clipping. So, I mean, he was very, very, very much invested in his own image as well. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I was. What I think. What I think when I see this is is a film reference, the black and white as being the silver screen because it's not necessarily white; it's silver. Um, so Marilyn Monroe, we know her most famously from her life on the silver screen. The first the first films were black and white, and then later you get into color. It's it's almost like this reference to her split split persona, Marilyn in print in life, Marilyn on on film, so I think that that would be my reading. That would be my reading. I don't know why he would pick pink, but I mean, maybe because it, it's it's sort of just attractive a little bit. Yeah, a little pop. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But that's it. If anyone has any questions, feel free, but otherwise, enjoy. Thank you.